0: So it's very easy to drink the bottle of wine, eat the jar of Nutella, have the sleeve of cookies and just not be in your feelings. Yeah. But if you just take a step back and deal with whatever the problems are, then you don't need it anymore.
1: Okay, full disclosure here. I have historically had a very fraught relationship with eating. I grew up in Orange County, California where eating disorders were kind of a rite of passage. And I don't say that flippantly, I mean, literally almost everyone I knew growing up had a disordered relationship to eating, myself included. Was it the culture, the fact that we were the Kate Moss sort of heroin chic Fiona Apple generation? Was it the fact that we were in a beach community and bathing suit season sent us into a frenzy of dieting every February? I mean, who the hell knows? I just remember pulling into my high school parking lot once I got my own car and seeing some dude with a bumper sticker on its Volkswagen that said, no fat chicks, my bug scrapes. I remember feeling a sense of alarm when I saw that, like I had just been schooled on one of the fundamental rules of adolescence in my community. Do not be fat, whatever you do. And I know I'm not the only one that was exposed to this kind of garbage. Most women I know have had a tortured relationship with food that continues to the present moment. It's confusing to have a tortured relationship to something you literally can't live without. It's like having a tortured relationship to breathing. Food is a fact of our humanity. But for so many women, so many of us, it's just a fact shrouded in myth in morality. It's a fact that gets distorted to fit the beauty myth of the moment. It's a mess. And my guest today is someone who I think has the potential to break through the mist of bullshit that is associated with eating, especially for women. Her name is Vanessa Rosetto, and I fell madly in love with her during this conversation, and I know you will too. Vanessa is a registered dietitian who essence named one of the top five black nutritionists that will make you change the way you think about nutrition. She is the co-founder of Coolina Health. Oh my God, we're going to get into what Kulina Health is later. Mind-blowing. And works with her clients to create personalized lifestyle plans backed by evidence-based science-driven nutrition counseling, adult weight management, and building a better relationship with food. This is not airy-fairy stuff, guys. This is the real deal backed by science. Vanessa received her MS in marketing at NYU and was a senior dietitian at Mount Sinai Hospital for five years before starting her own company. Let's meet Vanessa. You're a genius in the realm of nutrition and wellness and cooking beautiful food, but not being a crazy person that doesn't allow themselves ice cream. You just got this beautiful business and community that you're building. Thank and you. when I think about my own nutritional relationship with food and nutrition, it really goes back to some bullshit I learned when I was a teenager, which was growing up. In,
0: where did you grow up? I grew up on the East Coast in like a suburb outside of New York City, like 40 miles.
1: So I bet you there. I grew up in Southern California, but the parallels were probably there where as soon as we hit puberty, we were in the business of controlling what we ate. It was based on such flawed, terrible reasoning. And like, we're like, well, this gummy worm has way less calories than this other thing. It began so early, the grooming, I think that culture does with women around their bodies. Talk a little bit
0: about your journey with food. Did you have that hang up growing up and did you have to undo it? So it's funny, you know, my mom is from Haiti, so it's a third world country. So mm-hmm. just the fact that there is food is like just eat. So my right. mom is was never somebody who was watching her calories tracking her weight i do recall that after she gave birth to my sister she was overweight and so she did some like jane fonda workouts and like lost weight but like that's all i remember but i don't remember my mom being like crazy like there was no scale in our house we were like active you know it's fine and i was always thin i was always thin but i ate shit i mean i ate disgusting yeah but i mean like whatever i was just like lucky and also I ate all my meals at home where my mom cooked all the food. My dad would come home and we would eat our dinner and my mom yeah. would pack my lunch. And yeah. so I, I didn't eat a lot of processed stuff yeah. because we had fruits and vegetables. And then I went to college. So my friends always were like dieting or whatever. I'd yeah. be like, I don't know. I'm drinking supersized Cokes here and I run cross country. And yeah. so like, I'm thin, I don't know, I got to yeah. college and like, It was just like a sea of sparrow pizza and constipation, and I gained fifty pounds. (laughs) Sparrow and constipation,
1: literally. That's mine was top ramen and constipation.
0: Yeah, because the thing is that I don't know. I'm forty two. I don't know how old you are, but forty seven. All right, so you're in my world. Yes, exactly. There was no internet, or like internet barely. Yeah, you know, like influencer was. Cosmo, we watched yeah. Red Cosmo, our horoscopes. Totally. This is where we got, got our a... news and our information. And so there was didn't... one body type that was acceptable. Just one. That's right. There was this one. one. And every supermodel had it. Yep. And we didn't know anything about what they ate because we didn't know about their lives. And all we knew about was low fat and Atkins. That's it. And like Weight Watchers. We didn't know anything else. There wasn't yeah. all this noise happening. So I didn't know you should like drink water sometimes. <laughs> drink water you drink water you wouldn't be constipated.
1: yeah it's super simple and maybe less booze which was my jam in college
0: i mean like beer was my water i feel like in college me too natty ice this is it and i went to fordham in the bronx so like i'm eating pizza i literally just eating pizza this is what ice and bread i mean we used to wait outside the arthur avenue bakery at four o'clock in the morning because we were like drunk and we would get the hot bread they would give us for free and like eat that. That sounds kind of amazing, honestly, went, if I'm being honest. Oh, it was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. But I didn't know anything about food. And so then I gained all this weight and I was like, uh oh. And so, but then I moved back home after college uh, for like seven months. And in seven months, less time than that really, I lost yeah. 50 pounds. Because I how just how many pounds? 50. Because Five, I just, zero? Because my mom was making all my food. Literally my first job out of college, I will never forget this number, $25,539 was the amount of money I made. (laughs) So like $697 every other week. So I had to like live at home, bring my lunch. So I wasn't eating like this type of stuff and I wasn't drinking every single day. Cause you know, in college, what do you do? You like study and just drink. And so just from that, the weight came off, but I didn't understand how that happened. I didn't understand. I was like, what happened? What did I do? I didn't do any Atkins. There was no internet really to tell me.
1: Your mom was it. like rolling her eyes at these stupid American diet yeah. fads. Yeah. She's like, can you eat
0: a vegetable and a fruit and drink <sighs> water? Just drink water. Why does no one drink water? <laughs> it's a so magic. True. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, hmm, this is interesting. And so I went to a dietitian. I went to Carrie Glassman, who is a very good friend of mine to this day. Mm -hmm. She really explained how food affects your body in this Mm -hmm. very basic, low level, easy way. You eat this like this. No food is off limits. What is your goal? Do this. She said, drink water. Amazing. Shocking. She's like, do that. That's so good for you. (laughs) Like, Eat a vegetable at lunch and dinner. Find one that you like. There has to be one. Just find one. You're like, yep, there is. Copy. She's like, also eat some fruit. And you don't need to drink beer every day. And I'm like, 100% agreed. Got it. And then I was like, oh, okay. And then from there, I lost like another 15 pounds. So, like, when I got married, I just was like, this is me. (laughs) It's (laughs) because, like, I just ate in this way that made total sense. Just like eat some fruits and vegetables, drink water, make sure that fruits and vegetables and protein appear on every single plate. And I was like, oh. That's it.
1: That's amazing.
0: But I have to say I was lucky because I grew up in a house that didn't have a mother that was scrutinizing my plate. Nobody was telling me that I was fat. I wasn't food insecure. My parents weren't like, if you do this, then you could eat this. Nobody cared if I drank soda in my house. I get a hundred on every single test, but if I'm drinking soda and up till 10 o'clock, nobody gave a shit. (laughs) That's really not a problem. They were like, be up at six.
1: It's so true. My best friend, Naomi, her mom is from Japan originally. Mm -hmm. And she came here in the sixties or whatever it was. And it's the same thing. Like I feel, and my husband, whose mother is from Sicily, same thing. There's something about the American way that is fucked up. Like we're doing something- My mom was that she loved junk food and never gained weight. It's still true to this day. It makes me freaking crazy, Vanessa, but she she wasn't stressing about food, but there's something in this culture that, and this is the next question I have for you, which is, especially for women, there's this tying of food to virtue. Was I good today? Was I bad today? You know, even the, the language I was using to talk about how my day went, it was so tethered to like my worth and my self-esteem and my willpower and whether or not I was strong
0: enough, quote unquote. What do you make of that? I mean, I think that since the beginning of time, everything is on the woman's back. I told the story the other day that I was at work rounding on patients in the hospital pregnant with my son. My daughter had 105 fever and they called my husband and he was like, did you call my wife? And he spent the next 20 minutes paging me, but my pager was not on me. It was at my desk. So he called my boss and my boss came and found me and was like, Kate has 105 fever. You need to go home. And I'm like, they called you. There are two parents. They called you. Mm -hmm. and like you're selling tv ads i'm working with the acutely sick i know my god i have been there yeah i know you make more money than me i get it but like you know (gasps) and so that is number one like i say this all the time i was like your husband wants you to make a million dollars make sure the house is clean make sure the kids are taken care of make sure you have sex with him four times a week like all of these things and you're like i'm very tired oh my God, I feel like you're
1: living inside of my skull because yes, that friends. is exactly the experience. And the crazy thing is, Vanessa, I'm sure your husband is like my husband. They are good men doing yes. the best
0: they can with what they know, but what they know is fucked. No, I say all the time, I'm like, they're nice, but they're just dumb. They don't know. They don't know. So and what did my- you say to him? Were you like, I was, Dude. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> he's, like, oh, he's like, yeah, but like Sarah, my boss is on. Sarah says we can go. I lay into him all the time about stuff like this. Yeah, and and you're right. He is a good guy. Yeah, he really cares about his kids and his family. He's great. But like, this is just societal. How you look is tied to your work. Yeah, and even and yesterday, (sighs) yesterday I was watching the VMAs because I was like, I'm old, but you know, I had to watch because like J Lo comes out and I'm like, I can't wait to hear what you think about the VMAs. I see the younger generation of girls coming out, and I felt. Really hopeful actually. Because, Did you? They, because they had all different body types. Oh, that they, makes me so happy right there. And they looked really beautiful, all yeah. of them. I wasn't like, oh, this girl is big and this girl. And that's not it. I just yeah. saw that they didn't all look the same. And yes. then I was watching Ted Lasso with my husband, which I love, love. And one of the characters on there, the owner of the club, is yes. beautiful. And yeah. yesterday, in the episode that we watched, she had this like really tight dress on. And I was yeah. like, you know what? She has a regular body and it looks awesome. Amazing. And she's amazing. And so I think that this body positivity movement, I think that wellness and nutrition is like all the way out of control. Like, yeah. you know, everybody's from all these different camps. But yeah. the one good thing about it is that we're not celebrating the person that's depriving themselves yes. anymore. Thank and, uh, God, hallelujah. So there's hope for our daughters. And yeah, our sons yeah. too, right? Yeah. Like, you know, your son can look at somebody who might not be the societal norm of beauty and yeah. still find that person attractive. And you'll be like, thank God you have a soul. And it's not just, you know, so that We've makes come a helpful. long way, right? We
1: have. I think it's so interesting how you're tying this to just the load of expectations and pressures that are put upon us. We get conditioned to accept it. And then we police our own bodies. Yeah like crazy people that's something that i've been noticing just because during COVID i put on so much weight because of the freaking election i was doing great and then the election (laughs) happened and i was stress eating nutella and i became hot and heavy lovers for a while so now i'm gradually losing the weight but i realized there was so much self-loathing in my weight gain and i was like i don't want to go and do a diet or a reset until i've gotten over the loathing I need to be able to love myself no matter what shape I'm in. And only when I feel that way, will I attempt to just calm my ass down with eating. And I feel like it's been a good thing. I mean, yeah. what's your perspective on what should drive a reset? People are like, oh my God, I put on 20 pounds. I'm gonna do a reset.
0: Maybe that's not the best time to do a reset. What's your thought on that? Well, I think it's like weird because we all tie food to morality. If you ate too much, you're a yeah. bad person. If, well, You don't necessarily need a reset. More, like to your point, it's like, why am I engaging in these behaviors? Oh uh, right? Why yes. am I doing that? It's really uncomfortable to be uncomfortable. So it's very easy to drink the bottle of wine, eat the jarventella, yes. have the sleeve of cookies, and just not be in your feelings. Yeah. But if you just take a step back and deal with whatever the problems are, then the food or the alcohol or the cookies or the whatever, you don't need it anymore.
1: That's been my biggest mind blowers. I'm on like day eight of not having any alcohol and I'm not a big drinker, but Mm -hmm. I would always have a cocktail making dinner. It was usually just one. And on the weekends, it was more than one, but I cut it all out. And I can't believe how much less food I'm consuming because I'm not trying to eat my feelings. I just don't have these massive lows that I used to have because of alcohol. What's the connection with alcohol and eating?
0: Yeah, it's so funny. So I stopped drinking maybe like six or seven months ago again like not a big drinker yeah. but if i'm like in my feelings like i could just drink a bottle of wine and like that then you're like wait oh yeah, i just drank 1500 calories jesus <laughs> christ is that what a <laughs> bottle of wine has are you that kidding me depends like somewhere between 750 to 1500 whoa and then we try to pretend like 100 calories of like Michelob ultra and 100 calories of chicken are the same thing. That's the yeah. marketing. When you're like, oh, I'm having this hard cell at 60 calories. Well, that's not how alcohol is processed because alcohol is actually an empty calorie. It gives you like nine calories per gram and then everything you eat gets stored as fat because the body sees the alcohol as poison and has to push it away from the bloodstream. So when you are hungover, you're really hypoglycemic and your inhibitions go out the window, so, you drank a bottle of wine and then you don't give a shit and you didn't eat all day because you're like right. fucking around and you, you're going to have this wine anyway. So yeah. and you're like, well, I didn't eat anything. So I'm going to have these cookies and then this and then that. And, and I deserve
1: it. And I'm in my feelings and I need these goddamn cookies exactly. right now.
0: Also, alcohol disrupts sleep. So, you're now in proper REM yeah. and then the cortisol, yeah. and you're just like in this crazy thing. Also, we're That's women it. and our metabolism just starts to get all kinds of twisted starting at 35. I don't care what they tell you, but someone needs to, I'm a, we're going to write a book. I'm going to write a book and be like, this is going to happen to you when you're 35. I
1: wish you would
0: because nobody told it.
1: me, or maybe they didn't. Yep. I didn't
0: freaking listen. No, they didn't tell you. They didn't tell you. And so you're cruising around. You're cruising yep. around. Then you turn 40. Because you're 35 and you're like, this is kind of weird. Sometimes I have these weird things happening. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Turn 40, <laughs> punched in the face. And then everyone's in my office like, I haven't done anything different. I gained 10 pounds. I'm so depressed. My husband got a six-pack during COVID. Everyone's like, Michael looks so great. And I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Michael works out three hours a day. I take care
1: of children, walk dogs, cook. Also, I'm perimenopausal and Michael ain't.
0: Michael sleeps like a freaking rock. I meditate, yes. I take melatonin. I take valerian root, I drink tea, I pray, yeah. I cry in the bed. Everyone's sleeping. <laughs> I cry. I literally cry. Sometimes I sit up and I cry and I'm like, I just want to
1: sleep. Totally. That Please. desperate feeling of yes. insomnia. Yes. That's the thing that's blown my brains out is since I stopped drinking alcohol, the sleep that I get. Yeah, I used to wake up with such horrendous anxiety dreams. They're cut by like 50%. My uh-huh. whole world has calmed down since I gave up alcohol.
0: Well, the thing is, is that alcohol immediately relaxes you. Yeah. That is the immediate effect. But then you have withdrawal from it. And you know, when we're younger, doesn't matter. You know how many times I would be drinking till five o'clock in the morning, sleep for 30 minutes and go to the gym and be like, ready to go. Let's do it. 22. Totally. Like, totally. Hi like this i would die right so same as you i just stopped drinking and like never looked back So i'm like oh i sleep now yes this
1: is crazy yeah and also i noticed too like at night when the gremlins in the form of teenagers come creeping they'll say something triggering and I'll be able to respond with equanimity because I don't have that muddled sort of reactive, pissy, sassy horse pants that comes out to play after a drink. Right. And that feels better too, because these girls can be very, wait till your kids are teenagers. They know exactly what to say to piss you off. I'm scared. Oh, it's amazing. And so you you have three girls. No, I have two girls and my little guy who's 10 is a boy and he is so a dream. easy. He's a dream. He's mm-hmm. And my girls are amazing and smart and hilarious, but they know where to push the buttons. And so without mm-hmm. the alcohol, it's like, oh, I can see this for what it is. And I can actually step outside of myself and listen to them and say, God, where's this coming from? And I just feel like I can be there for them more. Whereas before I was taking everything so personally, because I'd had a vodka soda.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Same. You're just like a better friend, a better wife, a better parent. And you don't, feel bad and you don't have that like depressive feeling. Yeah. But but it goes back to like the weight of the world is on the mom's shoulders, which is garbage. And do you find that you have to
1: coach women to have conversations about equity and needs getting met and recalibrating the agreements? I feel like every five years, my husband and I have to have this massive recalibration of roles and responsibilities because I wake up a little bit more every five years and I see the matrix for what it is, which is keeping women, holding all the shit like a Sherpa. So every couple of years, I'm like,
0: whoa, 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 time out. I need to renegotiate the terms of this agreement. A hundred percent. And it starts from the beginning. My daughter is the older one and she does everything for my son. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. So, I make them like split everything up. I'm like, Rock, you have to wipe down the sink in the morning. Kate, you have to wipe down the sink in the evening. You have to do this <sighs> in this time. You have to do this at this time. Bah, 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 and if you don't do it, then you don't get this. You have your chore list at the end of the week, you get three bucks. And if you don't do the whole thing, then you don't get the three bucks. And you get like, zero dollars. Yeah. But it's like funny because it's like $3, you know? <laughs> hey, but you know, to them, it's like 300. They don't know that's right that's right oh, and yeah. but, they do, but they do their chores and they, yeah. but he will always be like "Kate, can you help me and she's like okay
1: i'm like no, don't know i me. love it i think i might have subconscious bias in that direction
0: i need to look at that thank you for surfacing that you know because the thing was always like well he's the younger one yeah so because he is younger we have to do for him hell no right. hell no yeah no because you know what that little Rocco, he looks like a freaking supermodel his father's Italian and his mother is Asian. He looks like a supermodel. He's got he- blonde hair, light eyes, light face. Everybody loves him. No, get it together. <laughs> no, get it together. Stop it. Stop I
1: it. love that so much. It's so true. And I think you're right. It begins at the beginning. Yeah. That's something worth looking at. I, you've giving me something to think about. Okay. I have more questions for you, but I want to shift a little bit. Yeah. I feel like What you just said about diet and emotion and alcohol and common sense eating is so powerful, but I also want to talk about how you've built your business. You have 20,000 plus followers on Instagram. You've been featuring a bunch of magazines. You didn't start out with a nutrition focus. You started out with a marketing focus. Talk about that pivot and talk about how you've grown your business and personal brand.
0: I mean, my parents' biggest disappointment because I'm not a doctor. They're like, we don't understand this. My aunt's like, I saw Vanessa in Bon Appetit. She has this great article. My mom's like, yeah, Aunt Rosie said she's so proud of you. You're in Bon Appetit. And I'm like, I am literally the only dietitian that has ever been featured in Bon Appetit in the history of the damn magazine. My mom's oh, like, shit. I was like, but you're not a doctor. I'm like, I know. <laughs> I studied history in college. I didn't go to law school, so that already pissed my parents off. I went to NYU when they were like, we want our money back. Then I went to NYU, (laughs) got a master's in marketing, which was like ridiculous because the focus was a lot on like digital marketing. It was 2004, the internet like barely existed. So like whatever about digital marketing is that technology is, you know, obviously advanced, but the basics of marketing, I obviously know I worked in marketing and then I decided to go back to school to NYU to become a dietitian and did my internship at Mount Sinai and worked in every area of nutrition, but it was like sad. You know, when you work with like acutely sick people, it's a mind fuck. And yeah. my husband was like, you gotta get out of the hospital. This is crazy, you can't work like this. And I'm like, all right, all right. So I decided to do private practice. And then NYU called me and asked me to run the program. And I was like, great, I'm doing private practice. I'm running the program, super, this is solid. I'll do a couple of articles once in a while, and people call me and that'll be cool. And then Tamar, my co-founder, reached out to me and was like, let's go into business together. I was like, all right, cool. Why not i like to have a friend so it was going to be she and i and two other people one of the people being my best friend from childhood who also happens to be a dietitian and one of my students who is excellent and was like great we're be four of us cool and then all of a sudden last summer happened and like <gasps> black lives matter and cancel culture and they couldn't just use the one black dietitian that they had been using in perpetuity and people started to call me and then they Saw that I had a personality and a brain, and then they kept calling and kept calling and kept calling. And then Kulina got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And now we have 14 dietitians. BC companies have reached out to us to scale. And so now we're pitching investors. We have tech and we're hoping to disrupt the digital health space. (gasps) And that feels really good because everybody right now in nutrition is wrapped in diet culture. I don't care i think that even the people that are like eat and drink whatever you want whenever you want that's still diet culture because nobody wants to talk about the fact that nutrition science is confusing because it's new weight loss or weight management or body positivity has a huge mental component when people cross a threshold of obesity however you do it fine bmi is not something that we need to be looking at but hip to waist ratio, height. There we can measure visceral fatness and that gives us an indication that fires off hormones and that makes people's feeling of satiety and hunger it's dysregulated and they need extra help but then they feel like getting on a drug might be like a shameful thing. There's so many different ways about this and it's very complex. And the way that everybody talks about nutrition is this like, I know best and that's not true. There's a middle and we talk about the middle and we talk really candidly and we personalize that. And you can talk to us and know that authentically we care about our patients and see you as an individual and want to help you achieve whatever goal it is. That is our main focus. Also we take insurance. Where Noom, Noom does not take insurance and goes after 10% of the market and they have like coaches. I mean, there's a place for coaches, but I will tell you, I had a patient that went to Noom and she was restricting her calories so much. She had disordered eating. She had insulin resistance. So I ordered her disordered eating and sent her to the doctor. And so she eats like a normal person and got on a drug and lost 25 pounds and stopped losing her mind and stopped starving herself.
1: Holy shiitake.
0: That's right, because everybody... Has a feeling around food. Yeah. Your relationship with food is complex and everybody has to eat. We're never going to get away from not eating food. Food is our culture, food is yep. how we relate to people. Yep. Food gives us comfort. Like you could see in the back, right? My picture, my grandmother, my grandmother gave I me big chocolate bars all the time. And I would sit on her couch and eat chocolate on the Upper West Side. And oh. so I love chocolate. And everyone's like, You love chocolate so much. I'm like, I really just love my grandmother and I miss her every day. And so I think that maybe when I'm like down, I just eating the chocolate because I want to get that feeling back. That's like real. You know what I mean? And so like you talk to these patients and they're talking to you and they're having these real dialogues. They're real people. Some of them feel like shit because they're like, I'm not doing the work and I don't know why. And you're like, the world is on fire. Let's give yourself some grace and I'm here to help you. But you don't have to be a size zero and you don't have to look like J-Lo because we don't have J-Lo money. We live in the real world. So let's. Just- I, and nor do we have J-Lo's genetics. Correct. Correct. I think correct. so much
1: as, or, or her, her team. team or her private chef. That's right. Her chef. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I think that's so true. And I think, yeah, diet culture. It's so funny. It's one of those things. Once you start to see it, you can't unsee it. Right. Diet culture really doesn't want us to get into just acknowledging that some of our weight issues aren't really our fault. And that That's right. we are just reacting to the world and our own histories and our own metabolisms. And that going to a registered dietitian, somebody who has actually done the degree in the academic side of nutrition can look at it, not through a lens of morality, but through a lens of like, let's get you to balance,
0: right? Let's just have you feeling good. I had a patient today. She is 323 pounds her values lab values are all fine except for her a1c so she's pre-diabetic yeah and her doctor told her that that wasn't a big deal and i was like well that is a big deal because you're at six you're at this threshold of having needing medication like we don't want you to be there so we want to work to get you down but like Let's talk. And she's like, well, I'm afraid to go on metformin. So I gave her all the science. Metformin is from 1920, it's a longevity drug. In the next yeah. five years, we'll probably all be taking longevity drugs. These things are here to help us. Like, And she was like, Oh, she's like, but I feel like there's something wrong with me and it's shameful that I would be on a drug. And I was like, Why? I'm always looking for the doctor to let me go on metformin. I'm like, Are my numbers out of range? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. No. <laughs> That's amazing. She's like, Really? I was like, There is no judgment here. Here's the thing you never feel satiated yeah you never do even when you have said to me or i have seen the meal the meal is nine ounces of chicken one cup of vegetables a half a cup of rice a dessert afterwards that's a big meal and you have told me to your, yourself i still am really hungry and i really would feel happier if i had pizza then i have the two slices of pizza and i still feel hungry there's a dysregulation there yeah there's a disconnect assistance. Yeah, and you need help. God, that's so beautiful. She was like, Oh, it's it's a mental thing. I was like, it's not a mental thing. This is a physical problem, too. Sure, we could talk through the mental part of it, but that's just like years of society making you feel like shit that there's something wrong with you because you're overweight and you have these issues with quote unquote control.
1: God, you know what's so crazy about that is hearing you say that out loud, it seems so obvious, but it's so fucking
0: revolutionary but it's not obvious because you have all these people telling you that you need to have like willpower and intuitive fasting bullshit. So you guys
1: start this business, and actually I feel like you're only gonna grow even with the pandemic because people are getting heavier and more disordered. When you think about how you use social media as a business person, tell me about your relationship to social media.
0: Well, I have a hate, hate relationship with it. I feel it's you. Really, it's really tough. I feel you. People think that, like, you woke up one day and you got a blue check mark, and everybody's just flocking to you, and that, like, working with brands is the easiest thing, and, and everything is, like, so glamorous. And I'm here to tell you that that's not the case. It's so much work. I have so many people that help me. Thank goodness. I want to tell the truth about nutrition. I want to mentor the other dietitians to know that they have value and we elevate that profession. But I don't give a shit if anyone knows who I am, really. What I care about is that we're telling the truth and we're taking care of our patients. And we're not saying the thing to get us noticed. We're saying the truth.
1: Beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. That's the thing. That's it. And that's probably why you have a healthy relationship with Instagram. This is what I'm learning. The more I do my own thing and my own business is that the more help I have, the more distance I have between tethering my self-worth to my
0: count of followers. Right. Right. Well, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Your count of followers, who gives a shit?
1: Well, I have to tell you, it's been such a dream talking to you and I've got so much to think about and (laughs) if my listeners want to work with you or your team, how does that work? Is it all virtual? Is it a subscription? Like, how does it all work?
0: So it's all virtual. We have an amazing biller. You can follow us, Kalina Health on Instagram or kalinahealth.com. You could book with whichever practitioner resonates with you. We will check your insurance. We'll let you know what the benefits are and everything is through the internet, through
1: the computer. Ah, oh, that's amazing. That yeah. is amazing. And what's the fee structure? Is it like a monthly jam and how much is it? Is it tiered?
0: No, it, so your insurance covers preventive nutrition counseling. So if you don't pay anything? Maybe your copay?
1: This sounds like an innovation, Vanessa. We're I so know. used to paying out of
0: our own poor pockets for these know, expensive exactly. bullshit diets. I know. I know that don't work. Meanwhile, don't you can work. like you can talk to me every single freaking week and I will get you to whatever you goal you have it's like a dream oh my god
1: people are gonna freak out when they hear this i swear to god people do people people probably freak out they
0: freak out because they're like wait this is a thing and i'm like yes the world is this is ridiculous because of obamacare cares act everybody gets prevention it was the first time that nutrition was written in so the insurance Mm. companies realize like hey this is a thing they pay and I mean, they pay really well. Like, so for example, like if you have Aetna, you probably get 26 visits. That's you working with your dietitian every other week. Blue Cross Blue Shield, unlimited, usually like, and all the things in between. I mean, for people listening,
1: my jaw is literally aching because it's been dropping this whole time. That's insane. And I just want to say, I'm so fucking psyched that the people that are cracking this code and making these connections and developing a business using the strategy are women. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So proud. I love it. Well, thank you. Thank you for your time and all your work and you've given me a lot to think about and you just rock. Such a stellar human being. I loved hearing Vanessa's take on diet culture and how making food into a moral issue doesn't help anyone. It's funny. When I recorded this conversation, I was in the middle of a Whole30. I am long since past that now. And I learned something really interesting during my experience. What I learned was this. After 30 days of cutting out sugar and alcohol and gluten and dairy, I had only dropped five pounds. I felt fantastic, but I didn't lose a whole lot of weight. And this, this is different for me. I've done a few whole 30s in the past and I used to find it pretty easy to drop seven to 10 pounds in 30 days. But the difference is that now your girl's middle-aged, whereas before I was in my early 40s, late 30s, and it's just, it's just part of middle age I'm finding out. But the gift of that experience, the thing that really kind of surprised me, because I didn't lose any weight, it sort of forced me to let go of the need to be a certain number on the scale and to focus instead more on how I feel because it doesn't really matter how much I cut out. I'm sort of, this is my weight now. And because that's just a fact, it allows me to just focus on what I feel and how things make me feel and what it takes to feel full if I feed myself nutrition. And what a concept. This has been a revelation to me. I feel like for the first time in my life, I'm eating not to squeeze into a pair of jeans or not to be a certain number on a scale, but to feel strong and like I can think and work and move through my day with energy. (laughs) I mean, what a fucking concept. Imagine eating to be nourished. Who knew? I honestly don't know why I'm telling you that, except in case it's helpful to you. To know that different stages of life serve us different relationships with our bodies and our eating, it's fascinating to me. And I hope it's fascinating to you too. I'm curious to hear your relationship to food. What's going on with you? And as always, thank you for listening. And I'll see you next time. Shine on. We need your light.